Support for this podcast is provided by Smart Recruiters, the hiring success company. Smart Recruiters offers enterprise-grade recruiting software designed for hiring success. Move beyond applicant tracking with a modern platform that provides everything you need to attract, select and hire the best talent. From candidate relationship management to programmatic job advertising, recruitment marketing, collaborative hiring and embedded artificial intelligence. Experience a talent acquisition suite with intuitive user experience that candidates, hiring managers and recruiters all love. Leading brands like Bosch, IKEA, LinkedIn and Visa use smart recruiters to future-proof talent acquisition and expand their businesses globally. Visit smartrecruiters.com to find out how you can achieve hiring success as well. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 212 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Talent acquisition transformation projects seem to be everywhere at the moment, as employers look to adapt to changing markets, shifting business priorities and new technologies. I always tell my clients that transformation is impossible without evaluation and strategy. But how do you build and measure an effective strategy in talent acquisition? My guest this week is Rebecca Carr, SVP of Global Success, Consulting and Strategy for Smart Recruiters. Rebecca talks in detail about the hiring success methodology and how it can help employers understand where they are now and where they need to be in the future. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Rebecca, and welcome to the podcast. Hi there. How are you, Matt? I'm brilliant, thank you. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. Uh, So I'm Rebecca Carr. I run our global success function at Smart Recruiters. We are a talent acquisition suite platform. Uh, Essentially, my scope of responsibility is everything making customers successful from the initial consulting up front all all the way to the support functions on the back end. Now, over the sort of the last uh, 12 to 18 months, smart recruiters have been doing some really, really interesting stuff around this concept of hiring success. Um, tell us a bit about it. What What is hiring success? Sure. So I think when smart recruiters originally came to market, we were obviously making a play at, uh, at the enterprise space. We wanted to build a better version of all the enterprise software that exists out there around applicant tracking, the attraction process, the conversion process, etc. And what we realized in dialoguing with many of our customers and prospects was that they technology was only going to play a very small role in the overall change and transformation that was required of them as a business. And they were looking to us as a vendor to help support a conversation within their business around process, innovation, around driving adoption, education, et cetera. And uh, we decided in, actually, it was a little bit happenstance, our head of HR, our head of people started to join some of our calls. 
And she was a sounding board around, this is what I would do. And this is what my friend did. And uh, this is how I would do it if I were you based on the challenges that you presented in this conversation. And the customers responded exceptionally well to this. They wanted a peer, a, a community of people to talk to about process. And so we said to ourselves, what if we built a function called hiring success, um, which would focus uh, on uh, hiring talent acquisition professionals or people that had been in the job before to support some of our implementation and post-sales behaviors around identifying opportunities for what we called hiring success, which was the intersection of talent process and adoption. And so we defined this very largely and we call it hiring success, which is the ability to attract, select, and hire the best talent on demand and on budget. And we built a set of measures around it that would help an organization understand where they are today, um, identify where they wanted to be in the future, and then uh, sort of give them a scale by which they could see their progress over time. So that's really how it all came to be. Now, I've watched presentations where you've described um, how you measure hiring success. And I've always um, I've always found it really interesting because I think that measures of talent acquisition success are, are always uh, difficult and uh, debated um, and sometimes controversial in terms of what people measure and what, what success looks like. Talk us through how you measure hiring success. Sure. So um, we looked at some of the legacy metrics of the past and we sort of reinvented them as part of this conversation. Um, and we built out a hiring success scorecard that was really based on three factors. The first really was around spend, um, which was replacing the traditional cost per hire metric, which frankly, um, we realized was somewhat irrelevant to most organizations. If you spend $10,000 versus $200 to hire great talent, the quality of that talent and the return on your investment there could vary based on the level, the location, the the, the pipeline that you created ahead of time. And so uh, we reinvented this metric to be what we called hiring budget, which was the percent of new hire compensation spent on recruiting new hires. So as you can imagine, if you're hiring an executive, it's just going to cost you more. You're likely going to use a retained search firm or you're going to spend a very long time, lots of recruiter hours sourcing outbound to find these individuals versus a customer service representative that you might spend... Uh, you know, a very small amount of money on because there's so much volume and there's low scarcity in the market. So the, um, attributing this to a percent of what you ultimately paid the person seemed to resonate really well at the executive level. So that's hiring budget. The next pillar was really around speed, um, and this was intended to replace what was traditionally the time to fill metric. Um, I talked to so many talent acquisition leaders out there today, and most of them look at me and go, this number, time to fill, time to start, it doesn't tell me anything. Because if I had enough foresight to understand that I needed to have someone starting on a particular day, I presumably would have built a pipeline long ago. Um, and it might take me 90, 100, 300 days to build such a pipeline. But the point is that I had them there the day I needed them. And so hiring velocity was how we transformed that. And it is essentially the percentage of jobs filled on time. 
Um, this one's actually quite tricky for a lot of larger organizations because, frankly, this requires that they actually do some planning around their headcount. And vacancy management is a topic that we hear a lot of organizations only now really starting to think through um, as a business. But um, essentially, how uh, you expected somebody to be working on October 1st. Was that person available on October 1st? And if they were, then you get a checkbox. And so if you look at your entire business, what percentage of your jobs are being filled on the day that you expected? The, the third and probably most interesting pillar is around quality. And a lot of people attribute quality to retention, which is doesn't make a lot of sense to me because um, the, the quality of the talent that you bring in the door is there's a lot of different factors that come into play once they actually start and are in the job from hiring manager performance to job responsibilities, et cetera. And so we wanted to find a simple way to quantify quality for a talent acquisition group. And so we built out an NPS-like 90-day post-hire survey that uh, essentially goes out to hiring managers and new hires um, right like at that 90-day mark after their start date and it asks them a very simple question. Do you think you fit? What is What do you think is your fit against this job? And it's a scale of one to 10. Um, if they rate themselves a five or below, um, then it's sort of a, a mist. If they're uh, a nine uh, or a 10, then it's a win. If it's a six, seven, or eight, there's that sort of a neutral score. And just like you would measure a customer success function, you would take the detractors and su um, subtract the promoters and you get either a, a positive or a negative score. And so uh, if I came out as a net hiring score five, the conversation then we can start with an organization is, well, if that quality score was you know a, a positive 10, what would be the return on hiring that you could ultimately bring back to your business? And this varies for any organization, but it's a it's a financials conversation that can drive um, more uh, uh, more conversations around things like the levers of hiring budget and hiring velocity. If I increased my hiring budget, would my quality go up? Would the return to my business be higher and the speed be faster versus if I reduced that, what would be the impact of speed and would I lose anything on quality? And this sort of triad of speed, budget and quality is something that C-level executives, CFOs, CEOs really understand. They do this with other organizations of their business like marketing and sales and really elevated the conversation of talent acquisition within an organization to one that felt much more strategic than those legacy metrics of, of time to fill or cost per hire, et cetera. So uh, that, that's sort of how it uh, came to be. So driving improvement in organizations is always a is always a bit of a journey you can't sort of expect people to um, improve improve overnight how do you kind of map out that journey do you sort of segment the um, the stages that, that organizations are when it comes to um, the hiring success yeah so I, every journey starts with understanding where you are today um, it's an evaluation process that we do with our customers and we've built out a lot of tooling around business audits and um, backed by a larger maturity model that actually uh, takes uh, essentially the pillars of the hiring success methodology, which we built and breaks them down into lots of different core components of which we evaluate an organization on people that they have to support that initiative, the processes they have in place and the technology stack that's there today. And 
we we've taken that maturity model. It's been broke. The pillars that I just described there are really around talent attraction and engagement, which can be broken down into categories of sourcing and CRM, global mobility, diversity, inclusion, branding experience, the the traditional pillars that one would expect around driving attraction and conversion of quality talent in the market. The, the, the second pillar is really around selection and collaboration. Collaboration is actually a very interesting one because a lot of organizations are terrified of collaborating with hiring managers. And yet the results of investment here have been absolutely astronomical for many customers that have started to drive more behavior toward a hiring manager who whose job is to have a great team and, and to invest in that team. And so that collaboration and selection pillar is broken down to levels of maturity that we can measure in screening and review or how you interview your people, hiring team collaboration, what your offer management process looks like, et cetera. And then that third pillar is really around your management and operating model. This is sort of the foundation that supports the first two pillars around talent attraction and, and collaboration. Um, and this is really all about how flexible and how global and scalable have you made the processes that you've put in place? Do you have a strategy for eng engaging and training your workforce? How are you going to understand and drive insight from what you have done? Do you have a reporting and analytics strategy? Um, what level of intelligence and search and discovery are you using um, uh, uh, across the, the platform and technology stack today. And so we go through this audit process and essentially it lands customers on this three-level maturity model, levels one through four, um, in each of those categories that says, based on the people process and technology you have in place, you're a level three, which is integrated and data-driven, and we've defined it as such, um, around uh, your talent strategy, but your uh, but your selection and collaboration strategies are really a level one. They're very simple and transactional. And in order for you to accelerate and drive change to your scorecard, you really need to be moving up those levels to, you know, a level two uh, in, in order to compete in the market and, and ultimately drive better talent to your business. So we start with that evaluation process. The rest of the journey really is around defining the critical program, strategizing um, on where you want to invest now and how you can build um, build your, your programs and technology to scale, the actual execution of those strategies, which is really the transformation process. And then the optimization process is ongoing. We're constantly iterating with them, but presu uh, presumably if they can travel through a journey of understanding where they are, building this out and iterating over time, they'll slowly move up through the levels of maturity in any one of those pillars or subcategories. Um, and this is what our function today at Smart Recruiters is supporting them on in, in different capacities. So this might be a difficult question to answer because um, it might not be quite as simple as this, but, but what are you sort of seeing in the market? Sort of typically what level are companies coming in at and you know how, how much work is there to, to 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 do for talent acquisition professionals yeah, yeah it is a hard question because unfortunately the answer is always it depends um but uh i i think generally each of the categories is um fairly consistent based on size and location um so uh as a good example we're starting to see companies in EMEA 
become uh, much more interested in elevating their talent and attraction strategy. Uh, we're seeing a lot of conversation around sourcing and CRM, people that are really starting to invest in this, especially in industries like manufacturing, where technology is starting to intrude on the business that they have created and, and sustained for a very long time. They're needing to compete. You, you see larger, you know, maybe um, uh, like manufacturing firms that are working on advanced technologies competing with companies like Facebook or Zing or LinkedIn for the talent that they require to be successful. Um, and so how they actually source and CRM, uh, source, source their, their talent and build out a CRM strategy is something they're very interested in and they have an extremely low level of maturity in as a business. Um, at the global level, you're seeing you know, programs like global mobility become equally as impactful for the exact same reason. They're trying to retain their talent. They know that that's a, a pool of um, of skilled workers, which they've invested and built up um, a set of skills in for the newer and advanced technologies with which they're investing in. And they previously have made no effort to, to in, um, drive job discoverability back to their workforce. So um, global mobility being an area where we're seeing a very low level of maturity. So I'd say that um, in the talent and attraction space uh, at the higher end of enterprise, uh, the most people are just getting started and the level of work that they need to do to get them where to where they need to be as compared to maybe the high growth, um, uh, very advanced startups coming out of places like Silicon Valley, that there's a very uh, deep disparity between sort of where most companies are and where some of those companies that are moving really fast are. Um, on, I'd say on other categories like collaboration and selection, everyone invests here. It's your standard ATS process. And I'd say the only area where we see a lot of lower maturity and need for investment is really around interview uh, structure, collaboration, and how you actually drive feedback from your workforce. Most people are quite weak here. Um, and on the management and operating model, of course, there's always an interest in understanding reporting and analytics and the, the concept of global templates within your business. So really, most people are middle of the road, but have an interest in accelerating this because the access to data has increased significantly over time. Um, now, platforms like smart recruiters are exposing every data element that they have. Um, this is very different from the legacy technologies that you had today. And mo if you did have every data element, the maintenance on it was significant. And so um, people are starting to rethink the strategies that they previously had in place and figure out how they can become more predictive. So perhaps a long-winded answer, but I'll, uh, there's a lot there and it does depend on sort of where you are and what your size is. So you've touched on this um, already, but um, it'd be interesting to find out a little bit more um, about about your thinking around it. Um, in terms of the strategy that, that companies need to sort of uh, put, in, put, it, put in place to um, improve what they do, um, you know, one of the sort of key steps in evolving your, 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 you know, your talent acquisition within your organization? Yeah, so I think uh, it all starts with, uh, there's sort of three ways that I, I break this down for most people starting some of these programs. And the first is answering a very, what seems like a very simple question, but is a very hard one for people to answer, which who are, who are you hiring? Um, 
if you are, if your business is changing out from underneath you, you need to understand the the types of skills and the 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 level of expertise against those skills that is required in order for you to be successful so that you can almost do skill and talent mapping against um, the impact framework, which we've actually created to support this conversation um, and uh, know where, where the, which strategies you're going to need to invest in to drive the highest level of impact to those hires that are most critical to your business. So if you can imagine an impact versus scarcity chart, so impact being being the vertical axis and scarcity being the horizontal, um, that upper right-hand corner, uh, th- these are going to be the high-impact, high-scarcity individuals are really going to be the people in your business that you are what we call your unicorns. They have a skill that is going to drive and maximize the revenue back to your bottom line. Um, it's going to be the executives that are gonna drive that change. It's going to be high impact enterprise ex- account executives that are driving million, tri- million, billion dollar deals in some scenarios. So you, you have to understand what percentage of the jobs you're hiring right now are going to fall into that category because the programs and strategies that you build are going to change if really all you need to be a successful business is to find the customer support representatives and the sales development representatives that are really sitting in that lower left-hand quadrant, which is low impact, low scarcity, um, that you, you would you would not invest in necessarily a sourcing and CRM strategy if that's what was meaningful to you. You would want to invest in a programmatic advertising strategy that drove brand awareness and and um, and volume back to, to what you were doing. So who are you hiring is always a very interesting question because in most companies it's it's everybody it's it's a lot of different um, types of roles. But which ones are going to drive the highest impact is something which we're trying to understand and we're mapping to an impact framework to, to start that conversation. Um, the second part is really what I've sort of uh, gone through already, which is really around um, understanding your maturity and mapping your hiring success maturity to the smart recruiters methodology and maturity model. Um, and this is really a, a massive audit process around your people process and programs. And then the third step is what is your hiring scorecard today? Um, and this is actually a process because we have to survey your workforce. We have to understand, um, you know, if they feel like they are a good fit. Um, we have to do a lot of data analysis and collection around what you're spending, where you're spending. Ironically, most people um, don't really have a good handle, especially enterprise organizations, on their spend against talent acquisition because you have hiring managers sitting in countries just buying and spending money on agencies. You have recruiters that are buying ad hoc posts postings on so on on different networks or investing in Google AdWords and Facebook ads and all of that. So we have to we have to break a lot of your um, your current data down to d- deliver you that foundational scorecard to which we can build from. So then if we have if we know who you're hiring, we know where your people process and technology is today and we we have a foundational data set to build from, then we can really say you know, what are going to be the most high impact programs within our, our pillars that are going to drive the, the, the fastest results and be, should really be where you start your journey um, and you iterate over time. So who's doing this well? So our, our customers use these programs in all different capacities. I think that um, where we've seen 
some very high levels of success are actually, I, I mentioned manufacturing earlier, but we have a number of large manufacturing customers that have really started to think about uh, sourcing and CRM strategy in a very thoughtful and structured way. They've started to invest in, I actually had a conversation with one of them the other day, where as part of our programs, we identified that their, their velocity was severely impacted by their lack of people um, within their recruitment organization. They were outsourcing a lot of the sourcing processes to HR business partners in local regions. This wasn't their job. This wasn't their primary skill set. And as part of seeing how poor their velocity was as a business through that hiring success scorecard, and frankly, how poor their quality was because they were at the end of the day just becoming desperate in order to put butts in seats. Um, and uh, as a result of that, they have now built a business case with their executive organization around building out a sourcing and recruitment marketing team that can really drive campaigning and nurture programs back to their critical talent pools. Um, and specifically around skills that they need to acquire now in order to be successful in five, even 10 years, because Obviously, in a manufacturing scenario, it takes a very long time to drive innovation. Autonomous driving was something that was worked on 15 years ago by some of our customers. So, um, so we've seen some real success in sourcing and CRM, and then I've seen um, I've seen some really nice success on in like more of our high tech technology companies in really unpacking reporting and analytics. And as a result of doing some of their scorecarding and their scorecard and analysis process, they've identified that their quality is actually very high um, in certain regions of the world. And because of a lack of adoption in process in other regions of the world, their, their attrition rates are higher, their quality of hire is very, very low. Um, and they would have never known this if they hadn't have been just been able to see and invest in aggregate data sets that could break their, their organization down into very small pieces and take that foundational scorecard and figure out why, why are certain things what they are today and who's impacting them the most? So um, I'd say in, in larger technology companies and in larger manufacturing companies, we're seeing some very um, immediate success um, with some of these programs and analysis. So final question, what's next for talent acquisition? What, what are you expecting to see happen in the next sort of two to three years? Oh, um, I would say... Uh, right now, when I talk to a lot of prospects, I feel like we're in a maybe one more year moment. They know that what they're doing today around process and the technology that they have in place is not good enough. There's absolutely a very deep awareness to this. Um, they know they need to change, but there's fear. And there's fear because they aren't armed with the data required to build a business case for change. Um, and what we're trying to do as an organization is support that conversation, because how would you know if you didn't have the right data sets and the right way of thinking at your disposal? And um, we want to arm these individuals with this data. 
Um, I do think there is a massive movement toward uh, moving to new technologies. Um, this is not just on the, the it is largely actually driven by the fact that the HRIS and HCM side is changing very quickly and moving toward the cloud. And there's an opportunity window for talent to step up and and change what they're doing as well as part of this global HR transformation project. Um, and so I, I suspect there will be a lot of technology change, um, but I also think you're going to start to see a lot more investment in uh, reporting and analytics that will ultimately drive focus on certain types of programs. As I mentioned, global mobility, a big one, but also intelligence. How do you understand who already exists within your business today that is going to be a good match for the positions you have tomorrow? How do you uncover that talent? How do you um, understand and predict when they're going to change? So succession planning, we're seeing a lot of conversation about how that can be incorporated into the talent acquisition process. So as part of this upgrade in technology, because frankly, the technologies that are out there today are, um, are uh, frankly, far superior in flexibility and user experience and uh, intelligence than what you've seen from more legacy tools. Um, that upgrade in, in technology is going to drive a conversation around, I believe, um, internal sourcing, global mobility, job discoverability, candidate discoverability, and um, an investment there in an effort to drive velocity up to uh, drive quality up and most importantly to drive spend down uh, because uh, the traditional spend that you see from outbound sourcing and agencies will reduce as a result of an investment in these programs. But that's that's just one of my, uh, sort of what I'm seeing. Um, uh, there's a lot of other places where I'm sure there will be change, but um, in, in our conversations around hiring success, this is absolutely something that we're seeing most frequently. Rebecca, thank you very much for talking to me. Absolutely, thank you for having me. My thanks to Rebecca Carr from Smart Recruiters. Smart Recruiters actually have their own talent acquisition podcast called Hiring Success, which is well worth checking out, especially as I'm their latest guest on episode five, talking about finding top talent in the era of digital transformation. Follow the link in the show notes if you want to listen. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify or Pandora user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.